1: Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish
0: Podcast. It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name is Sammy James. And on today's show, we're looking back at the Boxing Day draw against Luton Town at Kenilworth Road with half an eye-two on Sunday's match against Stoke. And down the line today, to help me look back at yesterday's tricky tie against the Hatters, I've got Ben Jarman. Hi, everyone. And Farrell Monk.
1: Happy Christmas, everybody.
0: Yeah, Merry Christmas to you both. Uh, It's the Friday after Christmas. No one knows what day it is. People are... Uh, drunk on turkey and other merriments of the season. Did you both have a good Christmas?
2: Yeah, it was a great Christmas. Um, I just moved into a new flat, and um, my mum has bought me an array of plants. It's basically, like I'm living in a jungle at the moment. So, yeah, I've got to try and keep hold of them and keep them nice and fresh.
0: Very good. And Farrell? Yeah, it was
1: really good, thanks. Really good. had all the family around at my parents. Um, I come from a big family, so it wasn't exactly a relaxing one. Um, I'm the quiet one in the family, so that tells you everything you need to know.
0: Very, very nice. Got a question here from Christian Liedberg, who said, what Fulham-themed gifts did you receive for Christmas? Ben, did you receive any Fulham-themed gifts?
2: Um, for the first time in about 15 years, I didn't receive one Fulham-themed gift.
0: Well, see, I'm in the same camp as you, Ben. That is uh, a shocker, not even a Fulham calendar, which I is uh, kind of become a staple uh, of Christmas for me. Um Farrell, did you get any Fulham-themed gifts?
1: Absolutely no no Fulham-themed gifts.
0: Oh. Um, I saw that one he... of the Fulhamish clan, um, I can't remember who it was now, received a book of old newspaper cuttings. Uh, like, well done. It's it's like a professional yeah. jobbie for uh, m- mentioning Fulham from down the years, which I did receive like five to ten years ago. And if you're ever stuck for a Fulham gift, it, it is wonderful. I have no idea where you purchase it. Did your, your dad have one, did you say, Farrell?
1: Yeah, my dad's got one. Um, it's it's really, really wonderful um, thing. I don't know, he got it a number of years ago, so I don't know whether it's been updated since to include stuff like, you know, the, the playoff final and and other memorable days like yesterday.
0: Okay, well, before we look into the game, lads, uh, Farrell, you, you had a bit of a brush through some of the three-word reviews that came in after the full-time whistle. Uh, what were your favourite ones?
1: So, yeah, I've, got, I've managed to pick out Matos. Bobby's Boxing Brace, Very nice. uh, Andrew Sherman's Mad Hatter Defending, which I was quite quite happy with, Tim Scott's Carry On Defending, and I'm sure we'll come on to it, uh, FFC Matt with Almost Hector Time.
0: Yeah, well, I think there's going to be lots of Hector debate coming up. Right, let's have a look at Luton then absolute chaos of a game at kenilworth road Um, an unchanged lineup um ben um you were saying you've been to luton numerous times in the luton end what was your experience uh in the away end i I was sad i couldn't be there yesterday just to see this this famous entrance it looks like you're going into (laughs) um someone's front living room it's it's bonkers
2: it is, yeah. You you go in uh, down the old Oak Road, it's called, and then you go in between two houses um, in the tiniest gate. Um, it can hold probably about 20 people at a time before it gets severely overcrowded. And then you're essentially plonked into an alleyway between those two houses. And you walk up the rickety old stairs at the back of the ground. And if you look to your left and to your right, you can see an old Victorian or I think it's Georgian Terrace um both ways and you can see into everyone's garden and and like their bathrooms etc it's a little bit surreal because you never get that type of experience at any other ground and then you're ushered into uh a, the old terrace that there the used to be that they've now put chairs in with legroom that doesn't suit anyone else on the podcast other than Farrell because you you get about twin like you get very minimal legroom in that in that section um and then yeah it's just uh it's very different to the home end, but the atmosphere yesterday from the Fulham fans was excellent throughout, I thought, and uh, it has been the last three or four years since I've been going to away games, although Abdul will tell you, he never sees me there.
0: Um, Farrell, mm-hmm. let, if, you, uh, if you were caught up in maybe some congestion at the, uh, at the front door of someone's house and you were a little bit late to the game, you might have missed um, Luton Town's opening goal. A wonderful assist from, from Alfie Mawson uh, for that one there.
1: Yeah, unfortunately I seemed, I was looking away because I didn't expect us to give a goal away straight from a goal kick. Um, but that's basically what happened. I've managed to look back on it now and it was it's absolutely bizarre. It's quite uncharacteristic from Fulham. We seem to be very very comfortable about playing playing it out straight from a goal kick, but you know you can see what Luton Town have uh, how they set up. They pretty much uh, when Fulham had the ball that they were man-to-man marking as soon as the goal kick came, they were on their, their respective players straight away to try and do that high press and it worked straight away for them. Um, and to be honest, if if I was Mawson in that situation, he did get pressure from behind. Uh, he should have just gone down. I think if he went down properly, he probably would have got a free kick there. But, you know, his honest player, Alfie Mawson, stayed on his feet and but was punished for it. And, you know, to be honest, uh, straight after that, it was um, you could kind of understand why Rodak probably did more and more long kicks from the goal after that. But you know, I, I I would have been tempted to sort of go like, no, this is the way we should play football, and this is the way it's been working for us um, most of the time, not every time. Um, but yeah, it, it was it's it's not great. Look. Uh, for the Fulham Defence. It's not a great look for Scott Parker who who persists with it. But, you know, I like going back to it, I probably think that Mawson should have been a bit smarter there. Um I probably think he could have put a bit more on it. He should have been aware that, you know, the player bearing down on him is quite quick and um And unfortunately for him, it resulted into another defensive mistake and a goal.
0: The thing is, Ben, about playing from the back, it's been talked a lot, not just in Fulham circles, in football circles generally. I think a lot of it is centred around Arsenal because they've been really, really bad at playing from the back this season. And they've given away numerous goals um, from trying to play this system, which has obviously been coined by... Bielsa, Guardiola and and that model of, of football that has come through all the way back from Barcelona in the early part of, of the decade. I don't think that Fulham necessarily should radically rethink their strategy of playing out from the back. It does tend to work and, and part of me thinks this is a risk of just playing that style of football and it, it's, it more often than not works. I mean, you're someone that understands... Um, the tactics of playing that system far more than I do.
2: Yeah. Well, I think in. I'll answer your question in a second, but I think that Farrell was maybe a little bit easy on Mawson and Fulham in, in his first uh, opening gambit because you could tell that as soon as Reem does exactly the same as Mawson does, uh, roughly about 45 seconds earlier, and gets away with it just. And it was obvious from then on that every time Fulham were going to play out from the back, that Luton were going to go man for man now in terms of playing out from the back it's just a part of modern football and it has been for as you say the last decade but it's one of them fads where pundits or fans they they won't like it if it goes wrong and if it goes right then you get all the plaudits and we saw the best and the worst from from Fulham yesterday obviously you had Mawson's mistake which leads to a goal and then you had passages in play where Fulham got through the lines of Luton in two or three passes and were under counter-attack but yesterday um, Fulham just they were outmarked and outmuscled by Luton basically all over the pitch and especially in centre mid and unfortunately for Alfie Mawson as soon as he received that ball from Rodak uh, roughly about five yards off the the line he has no options in midfield and and they were man marked and hassled all over the place. Tom Kearney couldn't get rid of Tunnycliffe, and Harrison Reed couldn't get rid of uh, uh, Luke Berry and then you had Telly Roddick who was marking uh, Josh Onoma. And um, the, the theory behind playing out from the back is that you draw people out to create space in behind them and get on the counter quickly. But that only happens if you have a midfield that moves. And yesterday we didn't have a midfield that moved. And um, I'm currently doing the five forts in place of Cam Ramsey. And my first section is called Morgue-like movement because Fulham yesterday just had no movement whatsoever in the middle of the park. And if you want to get... Parker team that is trying to mark you at, at those short and uh, those short goal kicks where you try and play out from the back you need movement um, and essentially what it should have done is made a couple of our players free because Luton were marking us into halves on the edge of the box but it just didn't happen that way we have seen it happen obviously in a positive fashion against Millwall and countless other teams but we need to figure out when it doesn't work straight away how can we mix up the game and that's obviously down to Parker being quite stubborn in his tactics.
0: Yeah, and the thing is, is that Parker wasn't stubborn against Leeds, and I thought oh, okay, maybe, just maybe we've seen the light here. Maybe we've seen a semblance of a plan. It's what we wanted against Leeds. It's what we got against Leeds. It seemed like we reverted to type um, as soon as we faced a side that we maybe felt a little bit more uh, confident against. Uh, let's come on to the goal. Lovely ball from, from Ivan Cavallero. Remarkably free header f- for Bobby Decadova reed Still had to finish it, though. It seemed to me that Luton was so worried about Mitro Farrell that they, they they just thought, oh, let's not worry about Bobby Reid.
1: Well, yeah, exactly. And I think it's an excellent goal all round. Mitrovic does excellently well to bring the ball down off his chest and then play it. You know, play a nice ball up to Cavalera, who does brilliantly, who sort of like buys his time to wait uh, to sort of get, make some space for the cross and make sure that there are some players in the box. And probably for the first time in about 10 years, I've been watching Fulham when a cross comes in, we've got more than one player in the box waiting to to head it in and to be honest it's actually excellent play excellent movement from Mitrovic to sort of take away Pearson and Bolton and you know because uh, they were concentrating on him while well, Onomar of all players was, actually took Sonny Brad- Bradley out of the picture and there was Reed just on hand just to to head it home I thought it was excellent move all, all round um, it's nice to see us putting nice, decent crosses into the box and i'm really pleased for also cavalero who who's been coming into a little bit of stick recently, and I thought he actually was pretty good yesterday yeah and it was i'm glad to glad for him to put an excellent ball in on his weaker foot and it was great goal all round
0: uh, and then sadly we didn't build on that I remember thinking okay one all, right, bit of a stupid early goal but we've got us we, we, it was the perfect tonic really to, to, to get a response so quickly but unfortunately it didn't really go that way we didn't really capitalise on getting level Ben we allowed Luton to be in the game way too much and um, Alfie Mawson with another assist and uh, and James Collins uh, with the goal <laughs> for, uh, for for them potential hand up, handball in the build up though I feel like if that was the Premier League VAR would have won Hundred um, percent ruled that that ruled that out. Aside from that, though, failure to deal with a fairly basic set piece. It wasn't a whipped in cross from from Bex, was it? It was it was a pretty tame effort, and somehow it still ended up in the back of Fulham's net.
2: Oh well, yeah, you're spot on. It was uh, a needless foul um, in a dangerous area of the pitch. Actually, when we had a lot of cover um, covering Luton's counter attack. And as you rightly said, it wasn't it wasn't the best free kick. Um, it wasn't a whipped ball with a hell of a lot of pace on it. To be perfectly honest with you, and we dealt with it really, really badly. And if, if we're going to be brutally honest with ourselves, as, as we are most times on this pod, um, we have to say that Fulham's failure to deal with all of the set pieces throughout the day was our biggest Achilles' heel. And we could have been three-one down from half time had the goal uh, from James Collins not been ruled out from offside. Fulham yesterday done. A really really good job of leaving both of the center halves free at the back post and James Collins free in the middle of, of, of the box at every single set piece and if you have done your research and you know Parker said last week he watched hours and hours of videos of Leeds, he would have known that, Fulham, uh, that Luton's three danger men were Sonny Bradley, Matty Pearson and James Collins who are all big burly good headers of the ball they know how to operate in the box and Every single time, there was either a mismatch or both centaurs were free. And Fulham were playing this weird mixture of man-to-man marking and zonal marking, that, if anything, seemed to confuse the, uh, the, the set up of the players a little bit more than it did good so it's a a big area of concern and again one that should be addressed hopefully by Fulham in the coming weeks.
0: Well Mm. I mean um, we'll come on to Stoke in a minute but I saw that Sheffield Wednesday as both goals against Stoke yesterday both came from corners so Sunday could be interesting it could be 4-4 with all goals um, (laughs) scored from from set pieces if both continue to defend um, like they did. Yeah you mentioned the the offside goal I mean Looking back at it it, it was definitely a, a correct call, but it it was only just you know, mm-hmm. and we still yeah. did not deal with that well enough and I feel a little bit like we got out of jail and um, well, I thought like we got out of jail a couple of times yesterday um, and second half, I thought the Fulham actually did come out and really really harried Luton in that second half, and uh, they literally couldn't get a, a a touch of the ball it was it was it was comical at, at, at times they would they would clear it and it, it would be one touch from a Luton player and it would be, be straight back into Fulham possession and, and I felt that actually Parker did a bit of a job to tighten things up and we really put pressure on Luton just without getting the reward probably Deca reed came close had two or three good chances earlier on in the second half
1: Yeah um, it was very reminiscent of the Fulham we saw two years ago going on their 23 unbeaten run where basically teams couldn't get a sniff um, you know I don't think that Luton Town had probably more than ten touches of a ball in our in in our half that second half, and it was it was really good. They'd obviously they were, we played with a bit more urgency. We were coming towards the ball. We were winning the ball back very quickly. You know, um, I think it was kind of down to both teams. I think that. Um, uh, Luton had probably reverted to sitting a bit deeper and just trying to hit on the counter attack, and just doing a you know a, a classic you know, old Leicester system of just surrendering the ball, um, surrendering the ball as quickly as you can, be, so you can win it. Um, in the right areas to try and counter and obviously that kind of led to to their uh, third goal but we'll come on to that in a a bit but I thought Fulham did very very well to come back into the game they sort of played with a bit more urgency showed their fight showed their character showed their fitness showed their pace and really sort of you know put Luton under pressure and I thought that once we got our second goal we were going to go on and, and get another one but obviously it didn't turn out that way
0: The only thing I didn't like Ben though was Harrison Reed for knockart. Now I don't know if Harrison Reed picked up a knock and if he did then this is a bit of an unfair point but I don't feel like from watching it where I was on the telly that he did pick up a knock. It felt like we had so much control in the midfield in that opening 15 20 minutes and it's it got surrendered as soon as he was taken off. It was like taking the the plug out the bath and expecting the water to to stay in. Yes, Knockart is a good player but it just made the game so open and I felt like Luton really Profited, profited from that substitution. They almost scored very shortly afterwards through Tunnicliffe.
2: Yeah, again, I think that assessment is, is bang on. You know, if you take Reed off, it's your screen. He, he disappears immediately and he was the one that was mopping up all of those loose balls. For me, I think Scott made a couple of wrong decisions in there. It was obvious from around about the 60-minute mark that we needed extra legs in midfield and you've got someone like Stephanie Hansen on the bench who can come on And sit and harry those players because Luton was still pressing us really really hard uh, at that time and we could have done with more legs in there Uh, I know he done he he had an excellent performance against Leeds and he wasn't that that bad against Luton this weekend but I think that Onoma probably should have made way Um, I think there became a time where he was offering quite little and actually that probably should have been uh, identified by Scott and, and that change should have been made but the assessment about Reid is absolutely right. We lost um, that control. We What Scott was looking for, I think, was probably more of an emphasis down the wings, which is where we were trying to hurt them. Um, they've got two fairly inexperienced fullbacks, um, and we were trying to get around the back of James Bolton down this uh, the right-hand side quite a lot, and he wanted out on there to try and expose him a little bit more with Cyrus Christie. But... Yeah, I think it's completely the wrong move and you'll see that surrendering of control in the midfield come back to bite us with Luton's uh, third... No, second goal. No, third goal, sorry.
0: Yeah, third goal. I mean, uh, got to give some praise to Cyrus Christie, by the way. What a block um, to keep it at 2-1. Just after Tunnicliffe had hit the post, I mean, it was... It was lovely for, from Cyrus and quite remarkable that actually he seems to be the most solid defender uh, in the back four uh, at the moment. It's certainly been a, a big turnaround for him. Uh, Farrell, Mitro, 18 goals this season. We'd literally be 18th if it wasn't for him. Um, lovely delivery fr- from the right-hand side and just Mitro doing what Mitro does best. There's not a lot more you can say about him, is there, really?
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, A little shout-out to Knockout, who... Who initially won the corner because it was excellent play from him. He was, he's the defender thought he was shielding it out the play and was going to be clever, but Knockhart capitalized on it and then won the corner. And it was, even though Sluga uh, decided to want to throw the ball away, it didn't stop an excellent cross in from from Knockout, Who and Mitrovic, honestly, it's just such clever forward play. You know, he draws that defender in and then just takes a half a step back. Bang, goal! It's brilliant forward play. Um, I love watching him. I love watching him play for Fulham. And I think he loves playing for us too. Hopefully some more wins coming up soon though.
0: I think the thing with me about Mitro and there's lots of inner debate amongst Fulham fans. Do we really want to go up? Yes, of course we want the glory. And I think most Fulham fans do want to see Fulham in the Premier League. But there's there's a whole debate, Norwich fans having it at a lot of the moment. Is the Premier League really that good? Is it that enjoyable? But I think one of the biggest disappointments if Fulham didn't go up this season is the fact that he would no longer be a Fulham player. And I don't think there's any doubt about that. That is, for me, one of the main reasons I want to go up because I just love him playing for Fulham so much. And I just know that it's not going to happen if, if if we don't get promoted. Um, 3-2. Ben, so many things to say about this goal. Reem looked nervous in control of the ball. It was a sheepish pass to Joe Bryan, who wasn't aware of his man lurking behind. I think it's a foul. I, I don't think Barry He shoves him in the back and doesn't touch the ball himself. Still, be stronger. Good finish. Rodak kind of caught in the wrong position, but understandably so. Well, what was your assessment of it from the match? Because a bit like the first goal, but was barely paying attention because I just didn't think there was any danger and then all of a sudden it's in the back of our net.
2: Well, you said you weren't paying attention. I don't really think that Tim Ream was either because that goal comes from an aimless kick up the park from Luton who had been under the cosh for three or four minutes of consistent pressure. And when uh, Peli Roddick and Panzu chases down the ball, there is a moment of hesitation from him where he looks like he's given it up, but then he decides he's going to go again. And Ream, who had just been turned all day by a mixture of James Collins and Kazenga Luolua and also uh, Callum McManaman. He looked really nervous and in that position, if you're given the opportunity to play the ball down the line in that defensive third, you do it. You don't play inside football. And Sean Dyche uh, was talking about this last night on Match of the Day when um, Dwight McNeil plays the ball inside and he loses it in the crucial position. And that's exactly what Tim Ream has done. I know that Fulham wants to play football and they have this footballing philosophy of playing out whenever they can but that is just lunacy you don't play the ball inside blindly and yeah i think it is a foul on joe Bryan, but it would be a soft one and he has to he has to have a look around him before he receives the ball if not, if not just pop it into touch if you're really that unsure i think it's a, a comedy of errors right from the very start and for a team that wants to go up automatically and has you know, hopes of going up into the Premier League, you cannot be defending like that or defending like we did all day, to be honest with you.
0: Farrell, who do you bring in Hector for? I mean, I saw Drew tweet this morning. He said, like, I think Fulham fans are expecting Virgil van Dijk when Michael Hector comes into their side. And, well, maybe I'm not quite expecting van Dijk, but I am... Maybe expecting quite a lot of uh, of Hector. He's he's clearly going to come in for that Reading game. Is it Tim Ream? For me, it is. You might you might disagree.
1: Um, I think I've got a side with Drew on this one. To be honest, I you know I've only seen Michael Hector a handful of times. Is he the answer? No, but he is certainly a question that should be asked and will give Ream and Mawson uh, certainly more oomph to try and keep their their um, their. Their uh, places in the side, you know, he played pretty much every every game for Sheffield Wednesday and Hull City the last couple of seasons. But these are these are players, you know, these are teams that only finished twelfth and eighteenth the last couple of seasons. You know, we are a team that that do pass it around. We need confident players on the ball. We need players who are key you know, very happy to play through the press and whatnot. You know, just looking at his his stats, you know, his passing accuracy is around the seventy percent mark, it doesn't really fill me with a lot of confidence. Defending wise, obviously very capable, but that's you know, that's just not exactly the way we play. But, you know, if I had to choose, I think Mawson is probably the weaker link at the moment. And, you know, it's we're conceding goals quite at a quite an alarming frequency at the moment. So it would it be a massive risk to put him in? No. Is it a risk still? Absolutely. Um, it, would be, it would be kind of strange to sort of um, mix around with the defence too much come, come January 1st. But you never know with, with the players that we have at our disposal. We are alarmingly inconsistent. But hopefully we can put a run together and then the Michael Hector, Morton, Ream, Adoy question will, go, will be put to bed.
0: Uh, and Ben, is it papering over the cracks that the equaliser... I mean, it's a good late charge from us. Good cross from Knockhart, finally. Uh, it feels like it's been all season we've been waiting for Knockhart to, to deliver in one like that. Kamara heads it down. And then Deca over, the Re- over reed the man nobody in Luton wants to mark um, yesterday <laughs> with, with a tap-in. I celebrated, but I was also still annoyed at the same time. It's quite weird when when that happens. And I, and I saw a few people on Twitter saying I didn't know whether to celebrate or scowl when that third goal went in. I guess looking at the table it actually has helped us out quite a lot considering not many other people picked up more than a point yesterday around us but it's just so yeah. bloody f- it's just frustrating isn't it it's frustrating it's, I don't know
2: I, I just can't work out with them as I said in the last podcast like, I don't know if we're good I don't know if we're bad I don't know where we are at the minute and like for us to be this far up the table playing this badly I think it's, it's, it's incredibly lucky to, to put it nicely and yeah, it was. There was some elation in the away and because you know you you don't want to lose on Boxing Day, and you especially don't want to lose to a side that are in the in the relegation zone. And unfortunately for us, it's that we've conceded five goals to a team that are currently sitting, I think it's twenty first in the league, or twenty second yeah, in the league. Twenty yeah. second. And you you absolutely do not want to be doing that if you've got any aspirations to go up. Um, obviously, we celebrated in the ground. The the limbs were, were bloody good. I I have to admit that. Um, had to pick a couple of people off of the ground, <laughs> but that was, it was it was good fun. And you know, I think on the balance of the second half, we probably did deserve to get a couple of goals and to drag ourselves back into it. But yeah, we we are massively papering up over the cracks. If we hadn't had Mitrovic um, for for all the seasons, say he'd been injured, we'd be as you say 18th. And if we didn't have Bobby Reed yesterday, we'd have lost that game quite comfortably. Um, I think if there was only a couple of good, bright spots to come out of that game, one of them definitely is Bobby Reid. And I think actually on a a very low key, he's been our, our signing of the season so far.
0: Okay, well, um, I mean, Fulham are fifth and it's kind of as you were between ourselves, Leeds and West Brom after they also picked up draws. Uh, Brentford move up to third after their pretty convincing win uh, over Swansea. Um, There's still a lot of football to be played. Two quick successive home games coming up over the next few days. So we'll look at Stoke after a quick break. Hello,
1: I am Breda Hangeland, and when I'm not rubbing my thigh with cheese, I'm listening to the Fulhamish Podcast.
0: Welcome back to the Fulhamish Podcast. Sammy James here with Ben Jarman. Hello, hello. And Fowl Monk. Ho, ho, ho. Right, so games coming thick and fast over the festive period. The Championship seems to have been saved from the relentless schedule that's in the Premier League with, I think, Wolves only having 44 hours uh, between games over Christmas. Fortunately, the Championship seems to be a little bit more sensible uh, with its planning, with no games, um, well, the majority of games not being played until Sunday. Uh, Fulham face Stoke. Obviously, we had a pretty dismal uh, return up there at the Bet365 back in October and really one of those games which made you think, I don't think this is going to be that great a season, you know. Um, They picked up a brilliant 3-2 win yesterday against Sheffield Wednesday. Um, They were 2-1 down going into the 90th minute. Um, it was proper kitchen sink stuff a goal from Tyrese Campbell in the 93rd minute and Sam Vokes in the 97th meant they picked up the win Tony Pulis if he was in the stands would have had a tear in his eye it was it was (laughs) wonderful Stoke lumping it into the box stuff before that only one win in six under new boss Michael O'Neill Farrell Stoke have had a weird season haven't they the fact that Going into this, if I'd have looked at it back at the start of the season, I'd have thought, OK, this is going to be a real, real tough game over Christmas. I still think it will be a tough game, but we've got nearly double the amount of points uh, of Stoke. And I thought when they appointed Michael O'Neill, it was all going to suddenly get uh, an awful lot better. And, and actually, it, I think they're probably going to avoid relegation, but it, they're, still, they're still really struggling.
1: Yeah, they are struggling. They've obviously got to turn the tide tied a little bit they had such a horror start under Nathan Jones who coincidentally was the former Luton manager who, who pretty much got them promoted to the championship this time around and you know they are actually a decent bunch of guys they've got there you know Jack Butland in goal Joe Allen still there James McLean who seems to be still um he seems to be still their talisman and Tom Ince who's done it at this level Sam Clucas is there who's who's a very capable player. They just, you know, they've obviously hit a bit of a rut and they need some confidence. And, you know, looking at the reports and the highlights, it seems like they absolutely dominated a Sheffield Wednesday team. They had 19 shots on goal for their four or five, whatever it was. And, you know, that that's a team that have been unbeaten in the last five, basically, winning four of them. So, you know, this Stoke team are very, very capable. Um, Michael O'Neill, obviously, as you quite rightly said, that Tony Pulis might have been in the stand was very... Was, would have been very pleased with what he saw. He actually said that it was a typical Stoke performance. We had to go long and pump balls. But, you know, then, then that's not the way that Michael O'Neill obviously wants to play with Stoke because for the large majority of that game, they seem to be on top and and it wasn't through long ball and passing. But that's how they got the result in the end. And, you know, as we as we know as Fulham fans, teams playing long and teams playing dirty and teams playing you know pragmatic football isn't the the way that we like to the the team that we like to play against so as we saw yesterday but you know we you know hopefully this inconsistent fulham team will actually show um a real real good performance i have every I, i've got every sort of belief that we will get a good performance on sunday and uh considering that we have been pretty good at home you know obviously we did lose against bristol city that mm. time uh which was not a great performance but you know we have been pretty good at home to be honest and yeah you know now now we've got some consistency in our starting 11 hopefully um uh, we'll see no more injuries come sunday obviously reed harvison reed went off um uh, with about 20 minutes ago hopefully it wasn't a knock on everything but you know as as we saw the reason why i probably that the the three losses in 3 that time was because of bad injuries in in a very key area in centre midfield now we've got seem to a fully fit squad i think that Dennis Odoi will be back from from uh suspension at the weekend i don't know whether he'll get ahead of of Cyrus Christie because he has been pretty good he's obviously got his his confidence back um it'll probably be a very good game but hopefully one that uh will um will uh, result in the three points come at, uh, staying at home.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, Stoke lined up yesterday, Ben, with a, with a 4-3-3. You've got Joe Allen, Jordan Cousins and Sam Clucas in the middle, uh, Tom Ince, Lee Gregory and James McLean, uh, Jack Collins' favourite, leading the line. I mean, would you make any changes uh, for this one, Ben? I, I, it's quite nice that I feel like maybe Fulham are starting to get a settled lineup. up It was a settled line-up at the start of the season, then it, it all kind of went to pot for a couple of months and maybe now we're starting to see Parker settle on a starting 11, you know, give or take one, maybe two names each week?
2: Well, I'd like to see the reintroduction of Stephanie Hansen because I feel like our midfield looks very leggy and it's so easy to cut through at times that we need a little bit more in there and I think Stephanie Hansen probably gives us that. Um, other than that, I'd like to see uh, Bobby Reed keep his place because I think he's been excellent for us over the past few weeks. genuinely looks like our only consistent threat in and around the box other than Mitrovic of course. Um but yeah other than that I think like a, a nice settled lineup would be good. It's a bit of a travesty that we haven't got more options at center half but I don't see him dropping warson or or uh, Ream for Dennis and I certainly don't see Maxim Zomarshan coming in anytime soon who's sort of been forgotten about and I don't know where he is. Um but yeah I I think um reintroducing Stephanie Hansen would would be a a good move for us against the Stoke midfield that are probably going to look to rough us up and get in and around Kearney for sure.
0: Well, uh, yeah, and also you've got to, although, yeah, the championship schedule isn't quite as... Um, relentless as the Premier League, as I was talking about, he's still got a lot of games in a sh- very short space of time. You've got the cup game coming up as well against Villa, which is only a, a f- matter of days after after the Reading one. So he does need to to use his squad, and I think Stefan Johansson fresh legs against against a Stoke side that yeah, also only. Um, played a few days ago uh, would be a good move and I- I'd agree with Right, Let's do some questions, lads. Uh, quite a few came in uh, this morning. I'm going to start off with one that uh, might upset the apple cart a little bit. Andy Charman. Yesterday summed up our problems this season. This is more of a statement than a question, but it'd be interesting to get your thoughts on it. We are weak, weak at the back, and weak mentality and weak in character. Parker making mistakes, but the lack of heart is a result of poor recruitment. When is Tony Khan going to be held responsible for the deficiencies In our squad, Um, there's this kind of age-old debate of whose fault is it? Is it Parker's? Is it is it Carnes? So, um, uh, Farrell, I'll start with you. I I feel like the weak mentality is a bit harsh considering the way we came back yesterday. I'll be my only criticism of of, of Andy's point there.
1: Yeah, and you know, to a certain extent, I do. You know, I haven't had my fingers in my ears. uh, uh, You know, for the past couple of well, about a month or so, that there is a lot of criticism going the go in the team's way and you know to a certain extent I do understand the frustrations considering the amount of money that we have at our disposal and it hasn't quite clicked enough but all in all we are fifth in the league at the moment with with an inexperienced manager and it's not as bad as everyone says it is yes some of the performances have been a little bit weak but you know what do you expect with, with a team such in transition you know going up and down leagues as we seen saw first time round you know back then although he was an absolute nutcase um, he's a very experienced manager uh, with Felix Magat and it was an absolute disaster you know eight Well so is Ranieri
2: first...
1: Well yeah Ranieri was an absolute disaster as well so I think that Parker deserves a little bit of credit here you know it hasn't gone you know totally Smooth sailing. HMS Piss the League and sort of had a stuttering uh, journey so far to the Premier League. Um, so you know, we know how difficult it is. We know how difficult it can be for the squad. We know how difficult it can be for the manager. So, and I do think that Scott Parker deserves a little bit of credit. Um, you know, we have shown quite a lot of character. There have been a few times where we've been on the back foot and we've we've held firm. There's that discussion around whether you know we've been. Going to five at the back to you know ten minutes before the game, uh, ten minutes before the end of the game to uh, to hold on to a lead, and that's actually worked pretty much every single time. Um, so I do think that's you know that's why the table shows it is. The table doesn't lie. At the end of the day, we are fifth in the league. We're currently we are the fifth best team in the league. So you know I don't think it's all doom and gloom. I don't think we need wholesale changes um, come January. Maybe a couple of couple of players to to strengthen. Maybe in the centre of the park. Maybe you know if we can get a, a much better centre back in maybe if we can get a much better um, right back in perhaps but you know it's not that bad it's not it's not like we're getting relegated we have seen much darker days certainly in this in this league um in the past few years so you know the best thing we can do is sort of get some consistency in um and hopefully that you know we can actually put some pressure on us to consolidate our place in the playoffs.
0: Well yeah Tommy asked uh, how many lifeboats are on board HMS Piss the League uh, with, a, <laughs> with a nice gif of the uh, violinist from the Titanic uh, on attached to the image uh, as well so um, I don't know how many lifeboats are on board HMS Piss the League it looks like we've just about got enough life rafts for the moment Tommy but uh, yeah it's certainly not been smooth sailing since we made up that name in August which looks a bit foolish now. Uh, Luke Salmond our uh, Putting this one at you ben are our defensive woes due to parker's system or the players our defenders don't seem up to the level at the moment we've conceded a ton of goals under our last three managers so what point do supporters shift the blame from scott parker to tony khan for the neglect of what is now a long-term issue i feel like it's quite a, a solid point there from from luke ben we've consistently had a poor defense now for years even under okay i think that maybe the last six months are to we did tighten up but it still wasn't perfect and we still conceded some bloody stupid goals is it yeah is it just parker I, I i don't is it the system i i think the system's okay i just think you can't account for errors like that first goal yesterday or even the third well, naturally,
2: you can't account for individual errors, but we're making too, way too many of them, and it's been ingrained from us since last year in the Premier League, where those individual errors have come back to bite us. And think last year we had the most individual errors of any Premier League team, and had we cut those out, we would have conceded something like twenty-two fewer goals. Um, it may have had, an, it wouldn't have kept us in the league, but it may have had an impact. And I think we're still trying to get over that now. We've kept much the same defence that was absolutely torn apart. Last year, on numerous occasions, but I think Luke makes a great point. There is a there is a flaw in the system, I think, and I think it's because our midfield is too easy to play against, to play against and to play through. And we spoke about um, giving Leeds a little bit more time and um, on the ball and playing without possession, but it's so easy to beat Fulham basically if any opposition manager listens to us in the podcast they need to recognise is that all you need to do is let Fulham overcommit themselves with a low block and just boot the ball high and wide and get at Ream and Mawson because you can get in behind them pretty quickly um, but in terms of how we set up the midfield it, it doesn't have enough um, it's really easy to say it doesn't have enough legs but I think it's probably the nicest way to say it is that you can play through Kenny you can play through Onoma and you can unfortunately play through Reed and Arter as well and we saw it yesterday there's so many third man runs that the midfield just simply doesn't track and um, I saw one of the questions come in this morning which was does Tom Kearney deserve more criticism than he gets and the answer is absolutely yes because he's been not playing particularly well for the past six to eight weeks now and as much as he keeps us ticking there is certain elements to his game where he will consistently expose us. I don't think I saw him get above slight jogging pace yesterday until about the 86th minute. Mm. And he must have put in (laughs) one or two meaningful sprints then. Um, And I just feel like Fulham are so easy to cut through that they need to shake something up. They need to have a little bit more stability in that midfield. They need to have more legs. They need to be, as the previous question said, a little bit stronger in terms of that engine room because... In a league like a championship, it's where all the threat comes from. Yeah, yeah indeed. Well, know, I was we going think... to
0: come on to that. I was going to come on to that Cairney question because I Kearney is, is, is such an inconsistent player for me. One day he is the greatest player on the pitch, and I wonder how he hasn't etched out not just a Premier League career, an international career, because he is a marvellous, marvellous footballer. But then other times I watch him and and it and it all makes sense. It it it, it baffles me sometimes. Uh, Farrell what what did you make of Kenny because there's quite a few people saying actually, you know, we can give Josh Onoma a stick, but if we're giving Josh Onoma a stick, then then I think Kearney has to come in for for an element of the of the criticism as well.
1: To a certain extent, yes. Um I do think that we are a much worse team when Tom Kearney isn't playing Agreed. and um you know, he obviously came back into the team after a short um, illness uh, against Brentford. And you can see that he was totally not on the pace at all. Um, there were touches from him that were, you know, I could have done a better job. And that's saying a lot. And, you know, but that was one performance. And I think he does, when he's not at his best, I think he does come into a spit of unnecessary criticism. You know, this is a player who's now played well over 150 times for us and has been absolutely brilliant, you know, nine, uh, well above 90% of those times. Um, i don't think it's an option to 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 drop him unless we have someone ready made to play in that that number ten position that he excels so well at um it's I think when the team aren't playing so well it's it can be we can obviously target him because he is the captain as well as our one of our best players um but you can see how much he does bring to the team and Uh, and um you know he he very rarely leaves the ball his passing is excellent he's he he does bring a lot and i think the one thing he's actually started to bring to his game that parker wants is actually the more of the box to box kind of the play that he does and he's actually he does actually make a lot of tackles now which is great to see um whether whether he should be doing that tactically or not is probably uh, up for discussion but you know have Without anyone ready-made in his position to play, I don't think it, there's an option at the moment to, to drop him or or exclude him from the side. Um, he quite clearly loves playing for Fulham. I love watching him play. Um, and I, I think there are other areas of the pitch that we really need to focus on. I think there's one thing that yesterday that we didn't really touch on was we were very, very poor at stopping the supply. They were very, very... Uh, well, they had like, such an easy time getting crosses into the box. Whereas, whenever we got um, down the side, yes, there was a couple of times we managed to get get the ball in. One resulted in the goal. We tried to put crosses in; they were blocked or they were they were stuck. Mm-hmm. Whereas Luton, pretty much every time they got the ball wide, they managed to get a decent ball into the box. Why is it so easy for them and not so easy for us?
2: Indeed. Well, it's pretty obvious why it's so easy for them. It's because none of our wing-backs decide they want to put a foot in if I was coming to Cyrus Christie with the ball I could run him all the way to Australia because he wouldn't close me down, it's as mm. simple as that yeah. but I, I know he was, he was good yesterday but Joe Bryan and Cyrus Christie, they both they, they do the weird Premier League thing where they let players come into the box before they make a challenge, whereas Luton on the other hand were closing the space immediately and closing obviously the overlapping runners as well, It was it's stark contrast it really was yesterday
0: Um, there's a lot more questions here that aren't really questions but are very good points so I just will um, bring them up for instance um, Lawrence Peterman and and Ben you've mostly touched on this but does the main problem lie with our central midfield who doesn't provide enough protection to the defence from runners are we missing Arta and and, and what is actually wrong with him I don't actually know what the problem is with Arta there seems to be very little words on that I don't know if you two have more information than I do from from somewhere but I'm a bit baffled as to what's happened with Arta
2: no, I, don't, I have yeah. no idea what's
1: happened to Arthur. Sad do you? No, not at all. Not at all. I'll try and drop him a text or something. See what comes up. But I doubt <laughs> he's going to be very receptive. But you know what Fulham are like. If they're not in the squad, and they're usually playing, then they're probably injured. We just don't want to. We just don't want to. Don't Unfairment. want to say anything. Yeah, uh,
0: Alex.
2: I, th- I think I think um, the the question is is a great one, or the statement is a great one because yeah, yeah he's, he's nailed it spot on. It's so easy for. A, for players to get out of defence and having a one man screen of Harrison Reed in front of the, the defence probably isn't gonna be enough in the modern game. You probably need well not in the modern game, sorry, in Fulham's playing style, you, you're gonna need two two screeners and yeah, playing with one is is a little bit naive from Scott in my opinion
0: uh a few more points here on on either side well the first one here is from at pure power uh alex uh, is his actual name uh we were actually quite good defensively at the start of the season it took until the forest game for the first time we conceded twice and the next time after that wasn't until stoke so he's kind of asking what's happened to us which i think is a very interesting point that whilst yeah we have been bemoaning the defense it has just seemed to got worse um lately i wonder if it's teams actually just finally figuring us out which is which is the thing um Envero Bro says, We look like Martin Yol era Fulham. Good players, no direction. Why wouldn't you want to appoint a more experienced manager? On the other hand, um, you have Brian Chapman saying, I like Partica's attitude and mindset every time I hear him interviewed. He needs time, not flack from us. We need to be patient as he is learning. Maybe promotion next season would be better. Let's not run before we can walk. Cliché, I know, but Fergie took a few years. This whole in and out, it almost seems like a 50-50 split down the fan base at the moment. I think on this podcast, it's probably not quite 50-50. I think we all see that Parker does need a little bit of time and I've toed and thrown and I said on the last podcast how I'm now kind of on the side of he needs the season at least. But yeah, there does seem to be a lot, of, a big split down the fan base at the moment, Farrell, on lots of issues. It, it certainly doesn't seem very homogenous at the moment in terms of what we're all thinking.
1: Yeah, well, you know, it's what we, it's what you can get from such a a large and diverse fan base because you know we're a massive club and all that. Um so you know, you're gonna have polarizing opinions on a lot of things. Um I you know, me personally, I think that I do want to be you know, I want Fulham to be that club that, you know, is is consistent, that builds something, that builds sort of club legends, that builds managerial legends, the ones that don't just um, you know, hit the trigger whenever things start to go start to go bad. Um, it doesn't look like we're really desperate. It doesn't look like we're going to, you know, go get relegated anytime soon. You know, I would like to see someone like Scott Parker, who genuinely, obviously loves Ful- Ful- loves Fulham Football Club. He was here. He saw out his 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 contract um, first time round. He then decided to stay on as a coach, then come back as come back again, and then become become manager. And who wouldn't want to see him succeed? So let's, you know, I, I think give him a bit, bit more of a chance. Um, if we don't go up this season it's not going to be a disaster the, the, you know, we've seen how committed the Khans are with their with their investment and time and everything so I would like to see us be more consistent, I don't want to be you know, when Swansea were in the Premier League Swansea, sorry, Sunderland were in the Premier League and even after that, just literally just going through managers and players like, you know, it was just um, Christmas dinner basically, so let's let's give them time, let's give them you know, let's build something here. And I think we do have the potential to do so.
0: Indeed. Well, I think that is uh, all for today. Thank you very much for all your questions. Uh, Sorry we couldn't get... There was a lot of them. Maybe I think people are a bit... uh stuck with what to do between Christmas and New Year it feels like uh, even more questions than normal final one um, that I thought was interesting Fulham Atto tweeted bag the blue never liked it it just isn't Fulham for me so I tweeted out off Fulhamish this morning saying if anyone is really bored this morning and toss up the amount of times that Fulham have won slash lost recently while wearing blue please feel free uh, Louis Waldock got in touch to say that yesterday was our first point wearing the blue kit as far as I can <laughs> as and and looking a bit deeper into that. Um, last season, we wore it three times and lost three times. I guess that's not really too much of a shock. We wo- we lost most weeks, no matter what colour we were wearing. Mm. Uh, and this <laughs> this season, um, we wore it at Stoke and at Brentford, both lost. And yeah, yesterday against Luton, we just uh, picked up our first point. I still have bad memories ever since the Atletico game. I, 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 the day we played in blue that day, I felt like it was a cursed colour. Uh, I feel like it should be binned forever.
2: Uh, thought- well, but. Chelsea colour
0: well exactly Ben
2: uh, yeah I think like it should be binned as well do you remember there was a game like I think it was like 95 96 where Man United played in grey against Southampton yeah. and they lost and they never wore that kit ever again um, I feel like that's what we should do with blue
0: exactly never again cursed out into the exiles and you're a kit man as well who loves a bit of a different kit so if you're saying bin the blue then i feel like it's uh, an opinion we need to trust um farrell would you mind uh naming today's podcast please oh um
1: i'm going to name it bin the blue
0: bin the are you actually gonna name it bin the blue
1: <laughs> yeah why not why not I actually quite like that one. Actually, to be honest, um, I think it's actually remin You know, it's it's every time we've worn blue, it's gone badly. It just seems to be a bit of a bad omen, and it's too too close to Chelsea. As Jen, as uh, I don't know if you saw that um, wonderful uh, that gentleman Jim Jim uh, on the on the uh, commentating the game. Jamie Reed says, "Oh, congratulations to so and so and his wife Chelsea on their engagement," and he just couldn't bring himself to say congratulations <laughs> to Chelsea. So um, <laughs> if you haven't seen it, I would I would recommend searching out on Twitter.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how that Jim takes directions if he ever needs to go through that part in that neck of the woods. He just maybe just says that place or anyway. Uh, <laughs> it was quite interesting when Jim did the commentary on the on Fulham versus uh, Chelsea. Uh, youth teams a couple of years ago how he managed to go for an entire 90 minutes without saying the word Chelsea which was which was wonderful maybe we should should we adopt the same rule on this podcast or should we just absolutely let it, should we let it Jim Beers thing okay right well thank you both uh, for being on the podcast today Ben Charman enjoy the rest of your Christmas thank you very much and you Sam uh, and Farrell Monk same to you Thank you very much, Sammy. Uh, There will be a podcast at some point, hopefully, between the Stoke and Reading games, if not definitely one, uh, straight after the Reading games. Uh, Enjoy your turkey leftovers, and we'll see you very soon. You all